Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 173. And before we introduce you to today's guests, there are a couple things that we wanted to mention. First off, we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back again on Wednesday with our storytelling series. This week, it was Brendan's pick. Brendan, what are we going to be talking about? Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. So if you are a Disneyland person, um, you'll probably appreciate this one since it is our first Disneyland attraction. So we're excited for that. Um, the other thing that we have going on right now, Brendan jumped on the bandwagon and he created a TikTok. So if you are interested in seeing what all the fuss is about, Brendan is fully engrossed in everything TikTok. He loves it. It's pretty fun. Um, so you could check us out on TikTok. We're just detour to Neverland. So have at it. I like how you have completely removed yourself from our TikTok. It's it was your idea, and you definitely spend more time on it than I do. TikTok is a wild, wild place. There's no rules. And I knocked it for forever. I don't know. We're guilty of it now. It's and, fun. And especially right now with not having much to do, it's quite entertaining. So uh, all of this is to say I would appreciate some familiar faces over there. Yes. Lots of 12-year-olds following (laughs) us right now. We cannot confirm nor deny that, I guess. But it would be nice to have some of our friends over there with us. Yeah. So it's been fun. Today is a very fun episode and a very insightful episode, I think, especially if you are working with a team member on your project or maybe even just collaborations in general. There's so much useful discussion here talking about Brittany and Ryan from Great Adventure Supply Co. We're going to hear us reference Gasco quite a bit to shorten it a little bit, but really great story that they have of building Gasco from the ground up. I think it's interesting to hear where it came from and, and where it originated, and then all of the peaks and valleys and things that they've had to learn along the way. So if you're trying to build a brand, whether it be in products or in content, I think there's so much insight for you guys here. And of course, it's always fun to chat about Disney as well. So without further ado, we will go ahead and turn it over to Brittany and Ryan. So hope you enjoy this interview. Um, So I'm Brittany. I am most of the brains behind Great Adventure. Some people know us as Gasco. And a random fact about me is... um, my dad was in the Marine Corps band. Yeah. Ooh, fun. That is a fun fact. That is. That's a good one. And I'm Ryan, and I'm the other half, the lesser half of the two. But I do all the production stuff, make sure all of our stuff gets printed and stuff like that. And a fun fact about me is this is my fourth brand. Hmm. So you have a history in designing Yes, a very long one at that one. (laughs) 
Well, we will definitely talk about that. But before we talk about your background and the business, we want to hear about both of your Disney stories. So how, you know, did your love for Disney start? And then how has it grown and evolved over the years? Um, so mine started actually later in life. I come from a family of three siblings. We didn't really have money to go to Disney as kids. I didn't really start going until high school um, as like foreign language field trips to Epcot. And then later in life, me and my sisters and my mom started taking girls trips every year. And that's really where my love of it came from because I got to do Disney as an adult and really experience like all it has to offer, not just like the little kid stuff. And Ryan's is a little different. Yeah, I was very fortunate. Um, as a kid, I played uh, soccer growing up. And uh, we grew up in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And um, I we played a lot of soccer tournaments over at Disney's Wide World of Sports. Um, so I would come over and stay the weekend, play soccer tournaments, and get to enjoy the parks. Um, and that happened very frequently. So that's how my love of Disney and my experiences started. That's one of my biggest regrets in life is that I played travel baseball all all years of youth and none of my teams ever went down to play in a wide world of sports tournament. I feel robbed of the opportunity to be honest. Yeah, it's probably well back when it first opened, it was one of the nicest complex I've ever played in. The facility was I felt like a professional athlete at <laughs> the age of 10, basically the way everything was maintained, groomed the nice concession stands. Um, you can get better hot dogs there than you could, but that's pretty much where mine started. So good deal. So I think that lays a good foundation. So take us to the beginning of Gasco. What was the conversation that sparked it? What were the steps that you took to get it off the ground? So we have a little bit of a different story than most people who have shops. Um, I actually graduated high school, not high school, um, college with an advertising degree. And Ryan and I were in a long distance relationship. I lived in Jacksonville, which is just two hours away. But I decided Orlando had more job opportunities. So I started going on job interviews in Orlando. And after about what, 45 yeah. job interviews and no job, it was, well, what can we do to kind of help with the bills and um, kind of use as experience to get a job. Cause I was trying to go into social media and we we're like, Oh, well we, you know, there's this really cool thing that people like make their own shirts and sell them on Instagram. And we could do that. Like I've always been an artistic person, a creative person. I actually sold art before I started this. So we're like, okay, we'll do it for a little bit just as experience for jobs and then we had one or two things really take off and right off the beat right off the start and we had like two designs that just went viral on the internet and we decided okay maybe i should try this as a job and we sat down and we talked about it and decided i would work on gasco full-time ryan still had his full-time job and that's how it started that's where it went. and and on, to add to that, I did tell her that if she wanted to go to Disney, she had to find a way to pay for it. <laughs> so That is important. That's on the tail end. But yeah, that's pretty much how that started. So 
So when you decided that that was the route that you were going to take, was Disney kind of the natural niche that you decided to go into or were there other, um, you know, brands or, or inspirations that you kicked the tires on? So Ryan really wanted us to have a brand that was just a typical, almost like skate slash surf brand where it was just our logo on everything. And I was very much against it. I didn't wear those types of brands growing up. I don't really understand them. Um, and I was like, no, I want something that means something to me. Like I want to, if I'm designing everything, I want to have a connection to it and be inspired by it. I'm not going to get inspired by a, like I get inspired by fonts, but a font just isn't going to scream inspiration to me. And I think that's where we kind of butt heads the most in the beginning. And then we decided we would use Disney to start off with, but eventually wanted to grow into a brand that sold everything that was all inspired by magic, but wasn't like hit you in the face, Disney. Yeah, that makes sense. And even just from that background story, it does make a lot of sense with a lot of the designs that you have right now. So it's fun to see that kind of play through even full circle with the things that you're making right now. Definitely. Yeah, we definitely have a, a an idea and a, and a long-term goal. And Disney has, has helped us go through that journey and go through that path to get to the next step. Um, the community is amazing. They support you for pretty much whatever you do, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. Um, someone in this community or people or groups of people in this community will support you. Um, and it's been a lot of fun so far, but that's really the journey we started on. And then we're making our adjustments now to basically our whole website to you want to, we wanted to make it to where you can wear our stuff in the parks and outside the parks fluently. Well, that is like me personally, that's kind of a goal that I always have in any piece of apparel is that, you know, I, I like to wear Disney every day, but I'm not going to wear a Mickey mouse spread uh, sweatshirt. Ironically, I'm wearing one right now, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that does make sense that I think that it, that is a market that can be tapped into of people who like it to be subtle that, that, you know, I hate to say the true fans, but the true Disney fans will get the nod, but other people won't be turned off on it. I think it's interesting of where the brand started, that it was almost out of a necessity that you needed the experience. And like you said, you needed something that would help pay the bills. And I think, you know, as we're currently sitting, I've seen so many new shops open up. I was reading something earlier that Etsy has just seen an, an explosion of people signing up to be sellers on there right now because the economy is taking a downturn and whatnot. So do you have any advice for someone who is creating in that space where there is a little bit of an added pressure where it's not just something fun that you are looking for more out of it? Oh, it's definitely a hard process. I actually... I'm going through it again because I started full time and then um, with like life and personal stuff, I actually wound up taking a full time job and like taking a step back. And now I'm jumping back into it when the economy is taking a downturn and people aren't really shopping. And it really is you have to 
you personally have to enjoy what you're putting out. Money matters, but if you're just putting stuff out to sell, people are going to notice. They're going to notice your heart's not in it. And through social media and through all these platforms, people want to know a story. They want the background. They want to feel connected to your product. And that's how you're going to sell things. Just slapping words on a t-shirt and throwing it on Etsy. You have to have like a drive behind it almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, in reading, you know, your about me stuff on your website, you know, you both have pretty extensive background, you know, jobs and talents that have helped you be in this position too. So when you decided to start your new business, you know, how did those different skills that you already had, like help you? Um, for me, I've been working in the clothing industry since 2002 to be exact. So I've been in it for a long time and I worked in many different areas in apparel from, I used to have a print shop back home, like doing my own screen printing stuff to traveling to find manufacturers to, I worked in I, my past job two years ago, I worked in a fulfillment warehouse. So I've worked on the fulfillment side with the clients and the manufacturers. And then my recent job, my full-time job I work now, I work for another brand and I get to see the wholesale side of it. So my dollars that I brought into this is very like widespread throughout the whole apparel industry, I guess. And then Brittany's. Yeah, his his side is much more the business knowledge, which I had none of. I worked retail, but I didn't know how to go sell stuff online. I didn't know how to get a business license. I didn't know how to do taxes or any of it. Mine was all, I come from a background of art. I went to fashion school. I understand trends, that sort of thing. So and it was what I was passionate about. And it's easy to take those skills. Luckily, I am fortunate to have those things to where I don't have to outsource artwork or because I have a communications degree, I don't have to outsource marketing. I don't have, I am, we're both fortunate enough to not have to outsource a lot of aspects that other people might need to. And that I would say helped us a lot. It definitely did. Um, I would just say the biggest thing that helped us was knowing what questions to ask when you go into like a printer situation or when you go and if you want to manufacture custom products for you, it's just to know like a few questions to ask the printer or the manufacturer. And that'll definitely help you the process. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that is such valuable advice. And I think anybody can take from that, that you take your skill sets, write them down if you have to, and see where they fit into things, see where your blind spots might be, and then figure out if that's something that you can work on, if that is something that you have to outsource, or maybe you can partner with somebody who can fill those gaps. I think that leads in nicely to talk about roles. So it seems like each of you, you have some overlap between your skill sets, but you do have, you know, Brittany's more on the creative side. Brian is more on the business and the fulfillment side of things. Do you think that's important for anybody working on a project with someone else to have those defined roles and know who's accountable for what pieces of, of it? 
Absolutely. I think if you don't define, and I say this because we actually, we've been working, we've, been, was, we've uh, been trying to work on defining was, our roles way better because we do get into it was a hard arguments. thing for us the first year getting the arguments. And it was because we didn't have those defined roles. But once you define the roles within your team, it just makes things so much. Well, one, it relieves a ton of pressure off of yourself, knowing this is what I'm responsible for and not feeling like everything lands on you, but also like splitting them up and everyone having an exact role and exact duties almost it makes the process seamless correct you're not doubling back and making sure 27 steps are done because everyone has five steps 10 steps i i have an opinion on this but i'm curious to get this is because this is something that we've had to work through do you think the roles have to be equal i'm gonna say no it just the only reason why I say that is it really depends on what your roles are because and that is something that we absolutely have like we work through because I feel like ours and, aren't equal but they're different levels of and it also depends on your skill set too like are you good at like more things the business side of it you might only have three things to do, but those three things might take you all week to do. Or are you on the art side where, you know, you can do the art. It does take you a long time to do art, but it's a little bit more planned out maybe. So I think it really depends on the role, like what roles you guys are splitting. Yeah. I completely agree with that because I think that was our biggest struggle in the beginning is we felt like everything had to be equal But the sooner that you can recognize, you know, the difference in the roles and how they both tie in together, I think the more beneficial it is for not only the relationship, but also for, you know, the actual business. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Amen (laughs) So since, you know, this is something that you've gone through and we've been going through, what advice would you have for you know, a couple or even just two friends who are working together or starting a business together besides defining roles, like what's the next step? Um, I think we've both learned it's super important to set boundaries. Um, For instance, I work out of the house, like our office is in the house. I do, I work from home, setting boundaries like, okay, this is a work zone. This isn't. These are times like at nighttime, once it hits a certain time, we don't talk about work anymore to keep that relation, to create that work balance or work life balance. You just, you have to create those boundaries. That's number one. And number two, I definitely think another boundary is understanding conversations that take place about work. Don't like, mesh into your relationship because things said about the business don't reflect you two as a couple or a relationship or business partner relationship what have you because that was the thing that we had to work through in the beginning yeah we would uh have like disagreements about stuff and it would run over into our personal life after the fact for like 
you know, 20, 30 minutes, sometimes longer, but that was something that we had to, to, to figure out. And there's certain times of the day, like she works from home. So she has set up like a work schedule, like a nine to five or a nine to six where she's at work, where she doesn't have to be out of bed. Since I go, I go to work, I have to be at work by nine o'clock. Um, so if she hasn't got up and got to work, I used to be like, Hey, you need to get up. You got to go to work. And that's one of the things that helped us a lot too, is set that schedule, like a daily schedule and also a to, like a weekly to-do list that we work on together. That is that way both people know what needs to get done. Both sides of the relationship when it comes to the business side, like these are our goals for the week. They don't have to be done in any particular order, but if I can help you get them done, I will as well. Are you taking notes, Catherine? I, we should be because <laughs> these are all things I feel like we talk about all of these things. Like these have actively come up in our conversations and maybe we're just not very good with follow through, <laughs> but yeah, the think- same way we're, we're preaching all of this and it's all stuff that we are constantly working on. Yep. But it's great advice. And, you know, I think for anyone who's even just working at home right now, that's something that we should all practice because it's very easy when you're at home. I've realized now to just like not do something on your list. Are you saying that we slept till 1030 today? Is that (laughs) is that what you're saying right now? Maybe (laughs) that was not on the list. Well, I agree. What I found over the last uh, three years now is what helps me definitely is making sure like, yeah, you work at home, but set an alarm, make sure you get up at the same time every day, set a routine. I, most people who work from home don't agree with me, but I get up and I get dressed like I'm going out, not like going out, out, but like getting ready for the day. Sometimes even like if I'm feeling super unmotivated, I put shoes on, which some people don't agree with. And I'm like, okay, I'm work mode. And then I have my workspace and I try not to take work into other parts of the house. Cause then I'm not in like work mode. Mm-hmm. I think that is true for so many people right now, since so many people are working from home. So I thank you yes. for sharing that. Uh, for sure. And I think it's always a work in progress. I think is the thing that, that there's always more work to be done on working with somebody else, um, and making sure that you're as productive as possible. But one thing I wanted to make sure we hit on is that you guys stress and you emphasize that you do work with a lot of local suppliers and printers to create all of your apparel. And I think that's such a great thing that you're doing. And I think that's a tough decision that a lot of people have to go through for not using a Printful or a Public or something like that, where maybe you can drive the cost down in other ways by putting that somewhere else. So how did you reach that decision and how do you think that's impacted the way that you have built the brand? It was honestly pretty easy for us because of Brian's background. He already knew a ton of local people to work with so we were lucky in that way um starting out we really decided to go all in and just invest in the business which i think is an important step so we got like three different designs made by a printer 
Um, of course, it would be easier to like start off with Printful and not have confidence in yourself to be like, I'm not going to sell anything. You showing people like I went out, I invested. And then most local printers will work with you. Local printers not don't always have the 50 shirt minimum, 100 shirt minimum. Our first printer, I think we got 25, 25 of each design made. And then local printers, depending on how big or small they are, are just thankful for the business, especially probably right now. And some of them will do, they will, if you ask questions too, some of them will do terms. So they'll give you like 30 days to pay your bill. Hmm. So that's something also the, to look into. That's one of the questions to ask when you go into a printer that I thought spoke about earlier uh, is ask that and ask their minimums. And then the more people you work with within your community and small businesses, the more people who also work with small businesses take note and notice because we work with so many small businesses. We've been invited to do small business pop-ups and pop-ups at local events and stuff like that, that have really gotten our name out there past Instagram and Facebook because when we started doing pop-up events, we learned how many people don't use the internet. So many people, I don't have a Facebook, I don't use Instagram. And there's this whole like world of customers that you can be hitting by just supporting other local businesses. Whether it's on Instagram, off Instagram, on Facebook. And we found that to be like a huge key to us. I mean, we found that about a year into our, to having our business, we did our first uh, convention. We did a Megacon. And we learned that a lot of people don't have, like you said, social media on Instagram and stuff like that. And then we did a pop-up at a coffee shop and we met more people that way. And it's just grown in the past year and a half with doing um, just in-person events. So. And I would imagine that takes off a ton of pressure off of social media where you don't have to, you know, depend on it as heavily for all of your sales necessarily that, you know, that there are other avenues that you can go through, which I think is Surely a relief, I would imagine. Uh, 1,000%. Um, really, I mean, until about probably a month ago, we didn't spend any money on advertising or anything like that through Instagram, Facebook. It was all word of mouth, natural advertising. And then I tried it for a week to see what was what it was like. And it, it was a little weird for us, but definitely not having to worry about that, being able to connect with your local community and sell your product and tell your story. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is like people want to know the story behind your brand, meet the people who are involved with it and develop a connection with you. Um, we've had a bunch of people that come from all over Florida to come see us at certain pop-ups, uh, which is a pretty cool feeling, honestly, to have Just someone because drive. We met them at a pop-up one time. Yeah. Just to have them drive an hour just to come say hi and pick up a, a pin, you know, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, and I would say even from our standpoint on the more content side of things, since we don't have products or anything that oftentimes we are shocked, even people within our network are 
potential listeners of the show, I think it's so easy to just shelter off and say, okay, they're not like as big of a Disney person as we are. So it, it wouldn't make sense for the, for me to, you know, talk to them about this. It turns out there's so many people within your own little network who are willing to support you and are bigger fans of whatever you're doing than you could possibly realize. And that was a difficulty we had very early on was just sheltering and thinking, okay, we'll just keep this our little secret. We'll only expose it, you know, to our little community that we've built on Instagram and Facebook and wherever else. Um, but sharing more on the personal side can go a long way. I 1000% agree with you on that. Uh, we did a very similar thing when we started. We kept to our little Gasco bubble and didn't really promote it personally because we're like, who's going to care? It's like, we don't know that many Disney people, but like you said, it's about people connecting with you and supporting the person behind it. Mm-hmm. If they support the person behind it and your story and your drive, they'll share it. They'll like it. They'll tell their friend who might be a Disney person. Or yeah, That's probably one of the biggest yeah. thing that we've noticed is it's, is doing our live events or just, through Instagram period and Facebook and all of our friends, it's, you know, just like you said earlier, you know, your, your friend might not be the biggest Disney fan, but they might have a huge, a friend that's a huge fan and they'll tell that fan and then that fan will tell all of their friends. And it's just a snowball effect. And it's funny because I think a lot of times we do forget about like the face to face interaction or that part of business with like the pop up shops. But like that's the whole purpose of social media, you know, is to try to create that without actually being there. So it's funny that we often leave that out. But like you said, that has ended up being a huge bonus for the business. It reminds me of the one time where you were wearing a Detour to Neverland shirt. (laughs) And uh, the monitor at the TTC, and someone came up and said, "What is Detour to Neverland?" And we both just froze. We're like, what? What are you talking about? I don't know how to answer this question. <laughs> so, was that the first time? I'm gonna ask you guys a question real quick. Was that the first time that you guys ever had somebody come up to you and ask you about Detour to Neverland? Yeah, the yeah. first time, and it and it caught us off guard for sure. Yeah. Same thing happened to us the first time someone ran after us down Main Street at Magic Kingdom to like get a photo with us. They were like, oh my God, you're Gasco? And we just froze. We were like, what? Who? (laughs) And then they posted the picture and their eyes were shut. And we had (laughs) And Brittany had to message him and say, hey, you could ask for another photo. It's okay. (laughs) Have you ever, we love to ask this question. Have you ever seen someone like in your design before, like just, you know, in a park or wherever? And if you have, can you remember the first time you saw somebody wearing one of your things? We have a very specific first time we ever saw someone wearing one of our shirts. It was almost a year after we started. Everyone would be like, oh, I see your stuff all the time. And we would never see anything it took us going to disneyland for the first time and we were at dca on um, paradise pier at the time and a girl was wearing our churro shirt and i flipped it is 
a feeling that you like I'll never get over every still to this day I see someone and I freak out um but I was like what do I do what do I say and she walked by and I was like hey I like your shirt and she gave me the dirtiest look (laughs) (laughs) and and I was like oh that's fine I made it like really (laughs) timidly and then I just like stood there like in shock and she like turned around and you could see like on her face it like hit her like oh they weren't being rude and it was just hysterical and I don't think we'll ever forget it no definitely not (laughs) did she end up talking to you or did she just like walk away oh she just kept walking (laughs) (laughs) And we like posted on Instagram because we were like Instagramming our whole trip. Like, hey, if you are the girl that we saw at DCA today, message us because we were like going to send her uh, a churro hat and no one ever responded. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. But just we just thought it was hilarious because it took us going to California. Yeah, like like two weeks before we were going to California for the first time on her. And uh, Brittany was like, you know what? We're going to see this. We're going to see one of our shirts at Disneyland. And sure enough, that's what happened. Next, you'll have to go to like an Asian park. That would be mind blowing if you that's see one of your shirts. <laughs> you go to like Tokyo Sea and someone's wearing like the figment shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> be awesome. I'll be crazy. Well, that is a great note to end the first segment on. We thank you so much for sharing the details and the story of Gasco. It is so enlightening. And I think there's so much value that our listeners can get out of that conversation. So we'll take a quick break, hear a message from our partners, and then we will be back to play the Fast Pass round. I'm sure you guys have seen the templates that are going around on Instagram stories lately. They are all the craze. So you fill out different things of your park favorites or things about your personality and whatnot. Templates are something that I recommend for anybody to create, and it's a great way of getting your name outside of your own network of friends. So just having your little handle at the bottom of something that may get shared three, four, five connections away from you can really make the difference and bring people back to your account. Now, what you probably don't think about is that the aesthetic of those templates means everything. Having a nice, crisp photo, even if it's dimmed out in the background, can make all the difference in the success of a template like that. So instead of trusting an iPhone photo that you took, which was good, why would you not try a professional photo, put in the background, and see how it works? That's why I recommend a solution like the Photo Reserve. So you can sign up at reportthemagic.com detour. Again, that's reportthemagic.com slash detour. And what that's going to do is take you to a spot where you can get six completely free, high-resolution professional Disney photos and a Pinterest guide as an added bonus as well. Try those photos out. See if they help you in making those templates and see if it helps you in getting those shared throughout Instagram. You can also go to Canva to then spruce those up a little bit and make it your own. But having that photo in the background can really help. So one more time, it's reportthemagic.com forward slash detour. And the link to that will also be in our bio. Now back to the show. Okay, we're back. So you guys ready? Let's do this. Okay. The first one is an easy one. It's just name the Disney parks that you visited. Um, well, we've only been to 
Walt Disney World and Disneyland are the only two we've ever been to. Of those individual parks, which one is your favorite and why? DCA, hands down. Yep. 1,000%. That's the mecca of... That's like all the best stuff that we have at Disney World put into one park. And it's just... It's such a relaxing vibe. Like Walt Disney World, you're just... Go, 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 go. You don't have a spare minute, but DCA, you can actually like enjoy everything. Even when it's crowded, it's not really crowded. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's, it you feels, get that, you get that golden hour and the sunset over the pier and Mickey in his newspaper outfit. And it's just, it's the best. Yeah, it's definitely our favorite for sure. It's making me miss it. I know. We, I've said something very similar. It's a hard one to beat, for sure. It's just, I think it truly is just the entire vibe of it. It's unexplainable you why can, it's the best. I think it's the best because you can have a beverage, an adult beverage, and go ride like real rides. Like you're not just walking around. You're not the just showcase. walking around the world showcase. Yeah. <laughs> I will say when we, we rode in Credit Coaster and then it was Monsters After Dark version of mission breakout back to back that was probably the happiest i've ever been in in a disney park <laughs> it's something very similar <laughs> i think it was california screaming at the time we rode guardians normal did california screaming then went back to monsters after dark and it was the best day yeah. oh. it really does now that you say it i'm thinking about all the rides and they do have just about everything you could ever want so is this just going to turn into a DCA web fest? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about DCA? <laughs> um, <Art>? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one would be your Disney bucket list trip. And it can't be a return tip trip to DCA. It's definitely not. So each one of us, I think, have a different, yeah. definitely a different one. Mine my Disney bucket list trip would be seven, take seven days, take one week and go to every single Disney park worldwide in seven days. Disney World, Disneyland, Tokyo Sea, Shanghai, Paris, and Hong Kong. And pos- on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And then mine would be a trip to Alani. We've been to Alani, luckily, but we only got to stay two nights. I would just go back and I would stay for a week and do everything that they had. Because it is truly one of the most magical places. Hands down. Amen to that. That would be great. <laughs> we, we've talked about a dream would be Alani and going to um, Tokyo. Well, yeah, Tokyo. Oh, Disneyland, Alani, and Tokyo in one. Tokyo would work too, I guess. Oh, hands down. That'd be amazing. Best one. Well, there's so many flights between Tokyo and Honolulu, so. You got hands down. Oh yeah. So the next one would be your favorite Disney resort, and it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. Ooh, this one's really hard. Really, this is probably one of the hardest questions out of all of them. I've stayed at a few few of them. I feel like mine is going to be really lame, but mine is um, 
Saratoga Springs. Wait, Coronado. no, Coronado Springs. That's yeah. Um, they have the best pool. It's the biggest. Um, they have one of the only sports bars on property. And Ricks. Ricks and it's affordable. That is very true. That is one of the, the best ones on property for sure. They have my two favorite things. Mexican food and a giant swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say Alani for me um, was the, my favorite resort um, because you had you have an adult pool, you have a kid's pool, you also have the bay you can swim in. Um, so it's like the best of both worlds when it comes to that. They're so used to people saying like the poly. They also, they also when you go when you show up there, they have the best fruit water by the front door that you'll ever drink in your entire life. So if you're out there, definitely try that. Um, and it's just really relaxing, honestly. The whole resort is just hands down amazing. I think we missed the fruit water, Catherine. We've we got to go sure back. Did yeah. I'm sad now. <laughs> To the counter on the left. <laughs> <laughs> you made a few stops for the fruit water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so next one would be if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Whoa. Whoa. Man, I know. I think I know what Brittany's is, but I'm not sure. Mine, though? Okay, I don't know. Prime Whirl. <laughs> Unpopular opinion, but that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. That's a first. That is a first. <laughs> oh. I like I like Dino Land, so that kind of like Animal Kingdom's our favorite park. I don't know if that's a question. <laughs> on the end, at oh my Disney gosh, World. I'm having a really difficult I guess I would say Mine Train because it's my favorite ride, but I feel like I don't ever really wait in that line anyways. There you go. Yeah, Mine Train. But only during I would say I would fast pass mine train during the fireworks because that's the best time to ride. We've never done that. No, we haven't. Oh, it's incredible. It's the best views. Hmm. So sticking with rides, which ride do you think is due for an exit or a refurbishment? This is, this well, it's is not a ride. It's an attraction, but I would definitely have to say it's tough to be a bug. Um, no offense to the bugs, but it's just a little outdated. What would you change? Ooh, on the spot. <laughs> I didn't know. If, I didn't know how much thought you'd put into it. Some people have like it all mapped out. I haven't really <laughs> put thought into it. Nope. Just I. I think the problem is, is like to me, it's just. Like, it's the first thing that you come to an Animal Kingdom. And it's just, like, the worst thing you come to an Animal Kingdom. <laughs> I think that's my problem with it. So maybe I'll just move it to the back of the park. It might be a test track. And it just got reversed. Yeah, but I would change it to cars. Mm, see, I that's, think that would be, that's a good one. I think that would be a fun uh, change. I get that. I mean, you don't like the Chevy marketing just shoved down your throat over and over again? <laughs> I mean... You mean I don't like getting those people? Can I have your email? <laughs> <laughs> True. 
No, it's a, that's a lot to take in when you leave that ride. <laughs> so next one is what land or area brings you the most inspiration? Wow. I would have to say either Animal Kingdom, just because I feel like I get a lot of inspiration because it's peaceful, like more peaceful than the rest. But then, and I'm only doing Walt Disney World because that's where I get to go the most. Um, but then there's something about like the front of Hollywood Studios, like old Hollywood, Hollywood Studios, not like Galaxy's Edge or Toy Story Land, but like when it, whatever the streets are, but at nighttime. Those two. Mine was Cars Land because I spent five hours in Cars Land. <laughs> when I was at, we were at uh, Disneyland. The first time we ever went, we spent pretty much our entire trip one day in Carsland. So I have to say that. <laughs> I will say we missed when they turned the lights on, and that was devastating. Yeah, I wish we could have um, been there. It- we actually missed going to Cove Bar, knowing it was closing, so we could be in Carsland for the lights. <laughs> <laughs> she was not happy with me for that one but that was on her list as her one thing to do while we were there see I think we skipped it because we got the Monsters After Dark Fast Pass probably worth it, worth it. Yeah. Uh, so our next category is food so it's our favorite what is your favorite snack or a go to snack yeah I <laughs> This is going to be hard because there's a few. Depends on which park. No, just pick your favorite one. You could give us multiple. Okay. Okay, Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom is going to be the cheeseburger egg rolls at the cheeseburger egg roll cart. At Animal Kingdom, that's going to be the old Kamal's fries at Kamal's Fry Shack. What? (laughs) uh hollywood studios is going to be the tachos at in toy story land because i like to be a kid and what park am i missing oh epcot really just anything during festival but most importantly Oh man, this one's hard. There's so much food there. But the nachos at the Mexican stand. Mm-hmm. All good choices. Yeah. But we also are a sucker for pretzels and cheese. If you're the classic snacker. The pretzels and cheese at the launching pad at Magic Kingdom is has the best cheese on property that I've had so far. So if anybody knows any better cheese, I need to know this. Mm, I don't know any better. I don't know. I like the cheese at Casey's Corner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if That's it's better. Sweet. I haven't done like a side-by-side test. That might be something to do next trip. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to ask, on your website, Brittany, you say that your favorite snack or one of your favorite snacks is a Mickey bar, but only in the winter. What, what makes it only winter? Is it the melting point or what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I personally 
do not like ice cream in the summertime. I think it's gross. Just like the thought of milk and it being 112 degrees here. I don't know. I just don't like it. So like when it is cold out, my favorite thing to do is go to Disney parks and get a Mickey bar because it doesn't melt. Ice cream is better in the cold. Like just everything about it. I will not eat a Mickey bar in the summertime, but I will eat a hundred of them in the winter time. I mean, I can't it's very that logic. Yeah, it is good logic. People think I'm crazy, but once you go to Disney in the winter and you get a Mickey bar, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Because it's Florida. It doesn't really get cold here very often. <laughs> yeah, your winter is like 65 degrees. <laughs> Even in like 70 degrees, I go and I get one. I'm like, this is how it was meant to be eaten. <laughs> so sticking with food, next one is your favorite table service and favorite quick service restaurants. So, unfortunately, we don't really eat at that many table service restaurants because we live so close. It's not something we, like, spend a ton of money on. But I will say that we've been to Hoop-dee-doo. Trails End. Multiple times because we love it. And then I would have to say Ohana, probably. Ooh, or Garden Grill. Ooh, that one might win. But I think that one wins because of Chippendale. <laughs> What about quick What's service? Yours? Oh, quick service. Oh, boy. Oh, easy. Satuli Canteen and yes. Animal Kingdom. 1,000%. And Pandora. Hands down, Pandora. Ryan, do you have any table service to add? Oh, man. Um, I've only eaten at a couple of them, but Hoop You Do would probably be my favorite because I've eaten at the most. Um, the only other one I've eaten at is Be Our Guest for Breakfast. It wasn't my favorite, so we're going to go with who do you do. It's, it's a show, dinner. And you got to get the secret mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. If you go there, ask for the mac and cheese. They'll bring it to your table. It's not on the menu. Like, not an item they actually bring out to your table until you ask for it. We just ate there last trip, and we did get the mac and cheese, and it was bomb. We were told it was for kids, <laughs> but yeah. we got it anyway. Yes. <laughs> Last time I went, the waitress said, it's for children, but I guess I'll bring you one. And then brought three sangrias at the same time. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Does exactly. Trails End and hoop doo share a kitchen? Is it the same food? Um, So people say it's the same food. I know they share the same kitchen, but we went for lunch or dinner, dinner, dinner. At Chosen, and I feel like they didn't have the same food. Like, the mac and cheese was pretty much the same, but... I feel like it's variations of it, and it has more food, obviously. Trails Inn has more options. Yeah. But I don't think you can go get, like, the chicken at Trails Inn. No. No. I've always been curious about that. It's been impossible for us to pull away from Whispering Canyon. We always get stuck (laughs) there. We don't make it back to the campground. We've never been there. No. Is that a must stop? Yeah. Let's visit... Well, we'll put that on the list. I actually like Whenever. lunch more. Lunch, they have a normal menu, and then dinner, they really push these all-you-can-eat skillets, which, like, it gives you the meat sweats. <laughs> it is too, good, it is but... too much meat. Yeah. Yeah. But for lunch, they have, like, a bison burger. That's fantastic. Good to know. I'll have to add that to the list of yeah, we wrote food down. to grab <laughs> whenever we can go back. I wrote down your um, Kamal fries. But they changed. 
Well, they yeah. still sound good. It's the same. Just all the toppings instead of it being on the fries is on the side now. So you have to like make your own fries. So, yeah. It's the same thing. You just have to make your own, dress them yourself. So next ones are just some of your Disney favorites, your favorite Disney movie. Man. Meet the Robinsons. Does it, does it have to be a, could it be a decom? Yeah. Like a Disney original? Yeah. Um, it's going to be uh, blank check for sure. That's not a decom. Oh, wait. But it's a Disney it's movie. It's a Disney movie. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were going to say Brink. Uh, that was my second answer, but it was coming. Okay. But no, blank check, definitely, because I, you can ask Brittany. <laughs> That's my dream. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what about your favorite Disney quote? I don't really have one. To be I mean, honest. I think all of Walt's are pretty, like, obviously all of Walt's are really inspirational, but I really just love most of the ones from Princess and the Frog. I think, I can't, like, pinpoint an exact one, but I think that's the movie that I get quotes from the most, if you've seen our truth. <laughs> lots so of Chippendale and lots of Princess and the Frog, so I'm a fan. <laughs> Last question of the Fast Pass round would be your favorite Disney Parks memory. Oh, boy. It's been so many. I would have to say, I may not agree, but I would definitely have to say going to Disneyland and DCA together for the first time. I think it was both of our first times experiencing it together. Yeah, I just say that would, I think that whole our whole trip, like Alani, we went, we did Alani, yeah, we did Alani, and then Disneyland and DCA all in one trip, and we started in Hawaii and on our way back to Florida, we did Disneyland DCA, and that was amazing. That was a surreal feeling to go to those parks for the first time, and uh, really just be in California and enjoy the weather and the parks at the same time. It sounds like you guys went in the fall since you did Monsters After Dark. I think it, it, it was, was like sep- it was uh, September. September. Yeah. September. End of September, early November. Uh, oh, October. <laughs> sorry, my months are bad. <laughs> yeah, we went to Disneyland in October, and the weather could not have perfect. been more perfect. Yeah, it was so enjoyable. It was really great because it was like that nice, like crisp in the morning. Not too hot in the afternoon. And then cool at night. Yep. Old at night. Yeah. So a very last question for you is if you could give one piece of parting guidance to someone who wants to jump into this community, either creating their own shop or their own brand, or maybe they want to be a content creator, what would your advice to that person be? Um, my advice would be genuinely, authentically you. It's really hard to get caught up in comparing yourself to other people and trying to emulate what you see already. But I think the way that you're going to gain the most success is like finding your own path and doing what is going to bring you the most joy because that's what people are going to notice. 
they'll notice you copying this content creator, this brand or this trend or whatever. If you create your own path, that's what's going to stick out to people. Yeah, just uh, be true, be yourself, be original and um, have fun. Yeah, enjoy it. Don't get caught up in all the the BS mess because, you know, that's everywhere. But just enjoy yourself and don't worry about what people have to say about you. Yeah, I love that. I think that's an evolution that almost every single creator has to go through. And the quicker you can figure that out, the quicker you'll find joy in it and you'll find fulfillment, but you'll also attract like-minded people who appreciate that. So I think that is absolutely wonderful advice. So this has been so much fun chatting with you guys. Last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. So we have an Instagram and a Facebook, both are Great Adventure Supply Co. Um, We have a Twitter and we actually just created a new Facebook group. It's Gasco Happy Hour. And our website is com. Perfect. So we'll put the links to all those in our show notes below so you guys can easily go connect with Brittany and Ryan. So guys, thank you so much for chatting us. We really had a blast. Thank you guys so much for inviting us. We had so much fun. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.